We're at the Texas Pinball Festival. Monster win for Godzilla at the Twippies. Arabian Nights, the Forgotten Tales revealed. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. I'm the editor of Pinball Magazine, and I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Martin Ebb, and I'm the editor of Pinball News, and we're here to look back at all the events in the pinball world that occurred during the month of March 2022. Right, and it was quite an eventful month. We have it to certainly say. was. It was uh, action-packed. and uh, Action-packed and packed with news. We got so much stories to tell you. But let's start with, well, basically the biggest event of the month, the Texas Pinball Festival. Yes, we're back for 2022 after the, the 2020 and 2021 shows had to be cancelled due to COVID. So, uh, yeah, three-year break and back at the same location. But uh, Bigger oh, than was, ever. Both. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, everybody was, was so delighted and so eager for the show to return and, uh, and they weren't disappointed, were they? It was like a family reunion. Yeah, absolutely. Have a very extended family, given how many people were there. Oh yeah, it, I think they had the most attenders ever. Yeah, well, they had the pre-sale tickets from twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one as well, as well as the uh, those who uh, were new to this year's show. Right. So, uh, as I said, there was a huge, huge demand for shows to come back, and um, you know, this isn't the first show post COVID, um, if we can call it that. But uh, it's probably the biggest, and um, I think it's. Uh, yeah, it, it was a, a huge success. So congratulations to the organisers, Kim and Ed Vanderveen and uh, and Paul. Um, yes. So uh, I think they can they can they can very happily sit back and have a, a little bit of a break after their uh, after their work. Yeah, I think they raised the bar for everybody. This show was so well organised, and I think they were uh, running low on volunteers, but nobody noticed um, any of the. Uh, uh, attendees, or or <laughs> I don't think anybody noticed that they um, had a smaller team to to run the show with. No, and, and I, it's I, still I, a great show. Notice. And uh, although, of course, we'll as with all these things, you know, when we're we're traveling, on where we both flew out and um, and flew back from uh, from Dallas. And, uh, of course, on that we get a sort of, you know, the, the sniffles a bit. And um, so apologize in advance if you're uh, if we're sounding a little nasally or a bit throaty. Um, and um, Jonathan, um, in particular, I think, has a bit of a, a throat um, condition after after that, which I'm sure yeah, will clear up in no time. Definitely not used to uh, being in air-conditioned air so much. <laughs> it was it was very heavily air-conditioned in that hotel. It, it, it was, um, I think it was like uh, tw- 28, 29 degrees outside on the Sunday, uh, Celsius, of course, and uh, inside it was it was quite chilly. So it was, it, there was a lot of air-conditioned air pumping around that building. But um, I haven't heard any reports yet, although it's early days, of anybody you know, catching anything uh, particularly nasty you know, or COVID-related. So, uh, well, I just had the, it. <laughs> well, you've just had it, yeah, but uh, I haven't, and there were no uh, no masks or anything like that required. Um, but people were being careful and sanitizing their hands, and yeah, I think it was uh, a good model for for how a show can go ahead in in these current times. Yeah, and um, well, like I said, well organized, lots of vendors with great booths. Yeah. Um, 
Well, let's 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 move on to the uh, the companies because uh, I think nearly all of them had a presence of some kind at the Texas Pinball Festival. So we'll we'll pick up what happened there, mm-hmm. um, what they were showing. So um, start with with the biggest, I suppose, uh, yeah. Stern Pinball. Yeah, they shared a booth with uh, Marco Specialties and the uh, Fun Superstore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think they had like uh, over a dozen. Uh, games in there, Rush, oh. Godzilla. Oh, it had loads, yes. Um, I did actually make a list of them all and I put it on in, in the Pinball News report. Um, I was I was watching them on video because uh, and counting them all as I was going along, but I reckon there were. I'm just scrolling down through my report now to try and find the list because I was typing it all out last night as I was watching the video. And it takes While you do the count, four let, hours. Me, let me refer people to the Pinball News uh, coverage of the Texas Pinball Festival, a great report which you, that you will find on uh, pinballnews.com. Thank you very much. Uh, I, well, the uh, 10 Mandalorians, let me get that in first. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, Martin 12, 12, can count, flash, people. Machines. Martin can count. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just um, and um, well, I think doing. the other one was, was Godzilla, really, wasn't it? There were, there were um, I think right. there were, there were three oh, or four rushes as well. Yeah, I said there were there were twelve rushes, I think. Right. Okay. So it was it's a big stand anyway from yeah. uh, Marco yeah. Fun and Stern Pinball, and uh, very impressive as as it always is at that show. Right now, speaking of reports, uh, Martin wrote his, which is impressive as ever. Um, I started writing mine, uh, which isn't finished yet because I, as soon as I came back, I had other um, obligations to attend to. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be that report will be finished uh, rather soon. It will have a different take on the show than uh, the suburb job that Martin already did. Looking forward to to reading it, and of course you were you were delayed on your return flight as well. But, yeah, uh, qu- quite heavily. <laughs> yeah, we could we could uh, could do an entire podcast on on that, but uh, we won't. We won't. No, nope. uh, we'll we'll for no, this, we'll, this we'll, pincast we'll we'll carry on with with Stern Pinball at the uh, and okay. what they've been up to. Let, let's get the, the the boring part out of the way first. Loads of go- code updates. Yeah, um, not sp- well, related that, to the Texas show, but let's just get no, them out of the out way. Right. All right, okay, then we get on with the more fun stuff. So the Mandalorian had a, had a code of uh, 1.22, which uh, allowed R-rated speech to be uh, included and added the Insider Connected with uh, 83 achievements. And uh, so that, that finally got that cleared by the licensor. Uh, a couple of updates for Led Zeppelin, uh, gameplay bugs, and there is, it seems like um, in a sort of underlying system-wide Changed recently. They introduced a bug, which meant if you power the game on with the coin door open, uh, it would uh, reboot, which um, is a bit bit um, embarrassing. But that that seemed to have made its way into Led Zeppelin and Rush and Godzilla as well, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So all hmm. those games. Um, so it took a while updates. to figure out what what's causing it. Well, yeah, then they had to fix it in all those games, but at the same time they had in other things as well at the same time. So, Which explains so, the extreme uh, uh, amount of code updates. Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, so there are, as I say, there are, there's Rush, Godzilla, TNP, Ninja Turtles, and Dead Zeppelin all got new code updates, and I'm not going to bother going through them all because Thank they're you. all pretty much the same. They're all bug fixes, more sound, more music, more light shows, and, uh, and a fix for that coin door issue. 
Right. Okay. So more on to the fun stuff. While we are, yeah, we were at the uh, Texas Pinball Show. Stern also went to the uh, Amusement Expo International in Las Vegas. Yes, that's right. They were represented there by by Gary Stern, Seth Davis, John Buscalia, Evan Kirby, Patrick Powers, Tyler Carson, and Ryan Craven. So a big big turnout from Stern there, and they were uh, on. Uh, Booth 104, if you, uh, if you were there, you probably know that. And uh, that was in the middle of March. That was the 14th to the 17th in the Las Vegas, Las Vegas Convention Center. And there they, uh, they won the AMOA Innovator Award for their Insider Connected um, platform. So congratulations to Stern for, no, for that. Um, don't want to rain on your parade, but I'm not sure whether that awards means anything in the sense that it's an award show. It's an industry award show. Everybody knows everybody. And, hey, we got something new. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll give you an award. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how that, that particular one works or how, how prestigious it is. But we've got, uh, got plenty more awards to talk about in a minute that uh, were probably uh, which are voted for by the public. So then maybe they carried a little more weight. But, uh, no, it's nice, nice publicity for Stern and uh, keeps pinball in the public eye, uh, or at least in the industry eye, amongst uh, the AMOA uh, m- membership. Right. So, And speaking of shows, um, Gary Stern and Doc Score are currently in Italy. Mm-hmm. For the Enada Primavera show in Rimini, yeah, on the Faro Play stand or Faro Play stand there. Um, interesting that um, it's just that those two who are there, and not um, not Seth Davis didn't go to that show. No, he did go to the EAG show, by the way, which was actually also at the beginning of this month. Yes, we'll cover that a bit later, but uh, we'll go, oh, I can tell you exactly. Sorry how that to went. rush ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was there and I had a good good chat with uh, with Seth as well, while we were there, and, and he did some presentations. But more about that later. Right. So yeah. So th- that's the shows um, at the uh, a Texas Pinball Festival. Uh, we said there was a Marco uh, Fun Superstore stand, uh, which also featured Jack Danger and Mike Vinicor there on their uh, doing camera presentations uh, on camera presentations, I should say. Right. They had, a, had their usual usual setup with uh, they were interviewing people and uh, yeah um, to be honest I was too busy to pay much attention to who they were talking to there but I dare say they will be appearing on uh, either on the Stern um, website YouTube channel or on Marco's uh, channel right so and then um, well we were already uh, speaking of awards um, Texas Which Pinball co- Festival. Does have the uh, does host the Twippy Awards? Yeah, it um, brings us to our second headline, really, doesn't it? Which yeah, which uh, basically was Godzilla sweeping the board with a a monster win in uh, in numerous categories. Well, uh, basically that, every category that the game could win, it won. Yes, that's right. I think it won a total of eleven awards. Um, Game of the Year, gameplay, uh, layout, toys, gimmicks, animation display, light show theme, theme integration, artwork, best rules, uh, call-outs, and music and sound effects. Yeah, and you know the fun part? I never played Godzilla up to uh, when I got to the Texas Pinball Festival, so I finally got to play it. Mm -hmm. It's actually a very fun game. It is. Yes, good. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> it's, so, it's almost, it's almost pinball almost, magazine almost, approved. It's almost award worthy. Yes. Yeah. 
So, yeah, and, and also at the Twippy Stern uh, won the the accessory of the year with, as we were just talking about, the Insider Connect connected system. So, uh, yeah, a, a good um, sweep of the uh, the board there pretty much for uh, for Stern at the Twippies. Right. So, uh, yeah, and, uh, well, that put them apparently in a uh, sort of joking mood, I suppose you could mm-hmm. say that. Um, today we're recording uh, our podcast. It's... April 1st, or April Fool's Day, if you wish, where Stern announced a Frasier pinball machine. Yes, that's right. On their social media feeds, they had a, a mocked-up uh, Frasier pinball, badly mocked-up, I have to say. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's almost two, like... Uh, two faces two. Uh, being... being um, well, uh, I think the face of Daphne has a, a flipper button in it. Yeah. And, right. um, and I think the face of Ross, I think it is, um, the um, the technician in the radio studio, um, is covered by one of the hinges uh, from the back box. It's almost like whoever's doing it, um, either doing it deliberately badly or doesn't know how to uh, pin an, an image onto the side of a cabinet and just rotated it instead, Right. which, uh, which is what they've done for all of them. But I think it was... Uh, it was probably deliberately badly done, um, so as to not not appear um, as a, a genuine product. But it was fun, and I'm sure it caught a, f- a few people out. Yeah. So, uh, apart from that, um, they've also been busy um, elsewhere on social media. They uh, released a behind-the-scenes video for the, the of the making of the the Mandalorian pinball. Right. And uh, there's been some other social media activity as well. Yeah, um, singer Dua Lipa. Um, if you you have to be into current music to know who that is. Mm-hmm. I think um, even I've heard heard of that. Right. Um, she posted a a photo on her social media, posing in front of a row of Stern pinball games, um, saying she has an affinity for dive bars. <laughs> yes, not, that's not sure that's a, a compliment or not, but. Uh, so well, that's where you'll find stern pinball games in dive bars, but uh, yeah. But even yeah. so, it's it's all good publicity, isn't it? Right. Well, she has a gigantic following, so um, mm. it's good for her to promote dive bars, I suppose. Good, and uh, and we mentioned a video just now about about the making of the Mandalorian. Um, stern also released a, a, another drinks with Jack video, which. Um, was that from Expo? I think it was from yes. Expo, wasn't it, where they recorded those? Yes. Yeah, uh, with special guest Gary Stern, because he never appears very often, and uh, and new president of the company, new-ish president of the company, Seth Davis. Um, he'd been been in role now for about about five or six months, I think. So uh, yeah. So, but but back then, when that was done, which was in October, he was uh, you know, only been there a few weeks. So uh, interesting to see uh, do a com- compare and contrast with his uh, his. His thoughts then and his thoughts now. Right. So, and that sort of wraps it up for um, Stern Pinball, I suppose. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so it's been, been a busy month and it's been a busy month for them as well. So yeah. let's move on to uh, to their neighbours up in uh, Elk Grove Village, mm-hmm. Jersey Jack Pinball. And uh, and they've been busy and um, they're uh, they're looking to, to grow their team. Yeah, um, these are actually vacancies uh, posted at the beginning of the the month, they are looking for a mechanical engineer, custom service manager, and a controller. Um, but during the Texas Pinball Festival, 
um, there was a seminar with uh, Jack Cornieri and Steve Ritchie mm -hmm. in which uh, Jack actually mentioned these vacancies again. Right. So uh, I wondered the customer service manager is uh, Barry Engler, who, uh, who moved to uh, American Pinball, uh, as we reported last month, right. whether that, that's his vacancy. A mechanical engineer, well, I think um, that will tie in with how they're uh, looking to restructure the uh, the, the teams at uh, Jersey Jet Pinball. Controller, no idea what that is. So, uh, anyway, if you fancy working... Um, you were five minutes late. I was <laughs> controlling you. <laughs> yes. Well, obviously not controlling very well. Um, yeah, so if you're interested in any of those things, um, send your resume to careers at jerseyjackpinball.com. Um, and tell them where you or which which role you think you would be best in. Interestingly, um, I don't think we've mentioned it before, but I did notice that you know Jersey Jack Pinball always used to um, have the, the sort of tagline. Um, um, having said that, I can't remember what. Oh yeah, Jack of all trades, master of fun. Right, that's right. Which was uh, of course coined oh, by that's so outdated. It is. So they've changed their tagline now. It seems to we make fun and games. Yeah, which is actually a line from a Guns N' Roses song. Okay, do you know which one? Yeah, let me think. Let me think. Well, welcome to the jungle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we make fun and games. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, so that's that seems to be their their new tagline. On so, so what could it be with the next game then? Oh well, um, we could speculate on that. We, but I'm we, sure. we make <laughs> uh, uh, fun and toys. <laughs> yes, <laughs> or toys and games. Well, um, I, I suspect they're uh, they're going to stick with that one for a while anyway. Um, but yes, so going back to the Texas Pinball Festival, as you mentioned, uh, Jack and Steve were there in a, in a seminar hosted by Ken Cromwell. Which um, I have to say, he did very, very good. Yeah. It was a, it was a, a nicely controlled and and tight and on time and uh, and and interesting because there's, there's some good information came out from that. Yes. However, one thing which didn't come out from that really is um, the sort of elephant in the room, which was about the the playfield issues like, that I they've been having. I didn't see any elephants at uh, Texas Pinball Festival. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this just goes to show that you were looking in the wrong place. Ah. It, it was right there in the room. I mean, anyone could have seen it. Um, but yes, uh, so that that really wasn't covered. Um, it wasn't covered by Jack, I don't think. No, actually Jack did cover it at the end of, uh, of the uh, presentation well, when, when people were asking questions. Uh, but prior to that, uh, Mirko Stefan of... Uh, Mirko Playfields in Germany had a seminar mm. where he was asked about the, um, well, the elephant in the room, so to speak. Asked very forcefully by several questions. Yes. And uh, in this case, I, I feel I have to stand up for Mirko. Um, as a, um, a third-party contractor, um, he was probably told that he could not discuss that. And... That's basically what he told everybody, I, uh, that he was not allowed to uh, talk about that, which I get because, I mean, yeah. if, well, you buy, it, if you buy a car and you have a problem with the tires, you're not going to call Michelin yourself. You're going to go back to your dealer or to whoever made the car. Yeah, it's a contract between <coughs> between the playfield manufacturer and the game manufacturer right. that ends up with that playfield being in the game, and the the, the game manufacturer is the one who has to honour any, any warranties. 
right not not so, the playfield manufacturer not all the parts manufacturers you know if you've got as you say if you if you if you know if you're stern and you're if you buy a stern game and the coil stops break you don't go and f- hunt down the company who made the coil stops and, and go and complain to them you, you complain to stern right so that is uh, this is a similar situation um i understand that people feel like yeah but he's right there yes that's right and and he was there to promote another product yeah, which, the, uh, uh, which we haven't come on to yet. We'll we'll probably mention that a little bit later about that new game um, kit, which is available. But it's I'll make uh, a note in other news. Thank you. Um, it was um, people were using his you know, the, the playfield uh, quality as a, as a as a stick to beat him with about the, the potential quality of his new product. I'm saying you know if if you you're producing quote defective playfields how do we know that your your new product is is going to not be defective so right. uh, anyway um which is, and, and i have to 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 do to be fair it is fair of people to wonder that because we had those problems with willy wonka playfields at that time we were promised it would not be the case with guns and roses mm-hmm. and they were still there yeah yeah, and you know, it's, and I it's think a, Jack it's said a, something that it would not be the case the case with the with the with the next game. Mm, well, obviously, but um, it's no, it's to a degree, it's outside his control, isn't it? You know, they have to use the playfield that they get, right? And uh, and from whoever they source them from, and it was um, I forgot what I was going to say now. Um, yeah, okay, so so it's obviously you've got a playfield issue. You can't just Giving somebody a spare playfield is not much use. If you if you then got to do a playfield swap yourself, because how many people are, are capable of doing that, particularly on a game as as complicated complicated and complex as Guns and Roses? Yeah. So so there is no easy answer in a situation like that. So you think that's so your warranty answer. as well? Well, yeah, almost certainly. Um, so anyway, that that wasn't really addressed. That's what I was going to say. But um, there were some interesting points that did come out of that, and. Uh, also, one of them was that uh, Jack said that they, they thought they would announce their next title by, I think, June or July. And it was still possible that they would announce two new titles this year. Yeah, um, there's actually a rumor going around that that second title has to be announced this year because else the license would be taken out, uh, away. Mm. That's mm. something I find very hard to believe. We've had that suggested before on, on other, and we might even hear something about it a bit later as, as well from another manufacturer, but um, I, I doubt it. Um, the, the thing is, it's not just one license. I mean... That's true, yes. If you, if you, if you license a movie, you're licensing not only the rights for the movie, but the actors, the music, and, and, and that's all different licenses. Um, it's no longer like in the old days where uh, you made a deal with the movie company and you got everything. No, now yeah. you have to talk to five, six, seven different companies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, I think so, to say they'd all run out right at uh, secondly, the end of the year. Secondly, even if there is something like a lustrum uh, that has to be celebrated and the, the game should be ready for that, even then. Um, well, we've seen it with Homepin, uh, where they had the uh, Spinal Tap one that yeah. should have come out last year. And then there's 
supply chain issues, hiccups, um, and what have you. Well, no, if they wanted to bring out, if they said we have to have the games ready for the pro launch event for the uh, for the for the license, I'm sure they could put together some prototype games, right. take them to the launch event, and but that doesn't mean they've gone into production yet. Right. Um, and uh, the other thing I was going to say, licenses can always be extended. Yes, that's right. It costs money usually, but uh, yes, you can do it. But it depends what the terms of licenses are. I know whether there's a, an upfront payment or whether it's a per-machine payment, in which case you know, it doesn't cost anything if the game isn't made yet and they extend it. Yeah, but still, you can't develop a... Uh, well, let's put it different, differently. The development of a pinball machine usually costs about $1 to $2 million. Mm-hmm. And then you still have to get into production. You can't just put $2 million up in the air and hoping that you beat the deadline that the licensor set. And if you didn't, then too bad you can't release the game. That's not never going to happen. No. And, of course, there will be, there'll be clauses in the contract for, uh, for that uh, eventuality. Anyway, um, they are currently making Guns N' Roses, as we know, um, Hopefully, the next title will be announced um, June, July time, and probably uh, sooner, sooner, I suppose. But it so. could be sooner. But uh, we did hear. We, we, I think we mentioned last time that we thought they were winding down production of Guns and Roses, right, uh, to lead into the new title. Yeah, but but it could also lead into um, uh, remakes or reruns of previous titles as well. Yeah, well, that's interesting because uh, there were asked. Questions asked on Facebook whether uh, Willy Wonka would be uh, rerun, and apparently they don't have any plans for that right now. Right, okay. That's just one of the titles that could be rerun, but still. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it uh, probably deserves a rerun. I think it's, it's, a, it's a very good game, having right. played it uh, a few times. Um, um, but one, but uh, just going back to the Guns N' Roses thing, and Playfields in particular, um, Jersey Jack Pinball and Ken Cromwell were, were very generous indeed in donating a Guns N' Roses playfield to us for use in our So You Think You Know Pinball prize quiz, which we yes. held at uh, the Texas Pinball Festival 6 p.m. on Saturday evening. Right, so that which was is our, uh, our not, amazing the usual, prize. not the usual Friday, but yeah. still. Which is good because it meant we got more more. Uh, contestants, and we also had more time to to get prizes, including uh, that fantastic one from Jersey uh, yeah, Jet Pimble. So was, thanks for them. Um, and it was because it was a bit of a last minute deal. We didn't have it with us, but they very kindly offered to ship it within the continental US to uh, whoever won it. So that uh, that they've got the details for that winner, and uh, he will uh, be receiving that hopefully soon. Right, okay, so there's uh, one more comment I'd like to make on the uh, the Playfield uh, situation. Um, we just mentioned we when we sort of feel that the next game is coming, um, at the uh, Mirko seminar he was asked whether he would be making uh, the uh, Playfields for the upcoming Jersey Jack title, which he couldn't comment on, of course. Mm-hmm. But he also did say that he's completely maxed out on his production. Now, if he's not making playfields for a new game, I don't know. I, I feel he must be making those games, else he would not be maxed out on his production. I mean, he's not making whitewater playfields or so in such large quantities that he's maxed out. He would be maxed out, so... 
Mm. So, so you think he's making them now? Then? So my suspicion is I expect him to be making playfields now that are shipping to Chicago. and um, Yeah, and that's pure speculation. But okay. that's just adding one and one together. Mm-hmm. Okay, all good stuff, yeah. I'm going to make a bridge here mm-hmm. from uh, Jersey Jack Pinball to American Pinball. Right, well done. Because they also have vacancies. Do they indeed? Who, who are they looking to uh, to hire? Let me let me take a look. Will that be um, the in-house purchaser, the quality control, uh, production line, and final game tester positions? Yes, absolutely. Chance? Yeah. Oh, How did absolutely. you know? What a guess! Wow. <laughs> so, um, if you want to work in pinball, there's really, literally, plenty of opportunities. If you're in the uh, in the area of uh, Elk Grove Village or um, where uh, where's American Pinball? Uh, in Palatine now. I, I was going to say it starts with a P. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and um, moving on to American Pinball while we're there. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, congratulations uh, yeah, to indeed. David Fix, who got promoted from Director of Operations and Marketing to being Executive Vice President at American Pinball. Yeah, congratulations, David. We've uh, we've given given him congratulations in person, of course, because we yeah. we see David quite quite frequently. So uh, and, and speak to him if, even if we don't get to see him. So it's uh, it's very very nice of him to do that and uh, or to, to get that position. And uh, also we can we can thank him for uh, also contributing a, a lovely prize to our uh, our quiz in the form of a uh, Legends of Valhalla. Printed uh, screen black glass, right? So, uh, real genuine glass one. So uh, that was a, that was a very nice prize for somebody to win, right? Exactly, and um, it makes me wonder now that David is no longer director of operations, are they looking for a new one? Mm. Well, they're not not advertising yet, but uh, we, we were sort of uh, joshing with him that uh, he he should uh, appoint a a deputy or an assistant. Given his right. uh, his new elevated position, yeah, and he was considering it. Yep, no question about it. So um, yeah, and um, well, there is some uh, 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 nomination news for awards. Um, I, I'll let you handle this one. Yes. Um, also, uh, we were talking about the AMOA uh, earlier, and this is the American Amusement Machine Association (AAMA). Uh, they were nom- American people were nominated for uh, Manufacturer of the Year. Uh, unfortunately, didn't actually win. That was uh, was ultimately won by Raw Thrills. But uh, nice, nice to be recognised um, and in the running for that uh, pre- prestigious title. Right. Speaking of Raw Thrills um, and the Texas Pinball Festival, of course, mm-hmm. um, I keep hearing rumours that people are either a hoping or expecting raw thrills to enter the pinball market yes yes we've uh, we've we've had this uh, a few times uh, in recent months or um, even going back a year i'd have thought and i don't know it's um, i i hear differing arguments about this on on the one side um people say well they're not selling their, their large $20,000 um, pieces into family entertainment centers because they're not, they're, they've all been closed and they're not buying new equipment. 
on the other hand, I'm hearing that they, um, they're they selling everything that they're making. So I don't know whether that, which one of those is true, two, yeah. two contradictory sides of the, of the uh, coin. But also there's uh, the question of, obviously, um, Raw Thrills is, is uh, run by Eugene Jarvis, and Eugene and Gary Stern are very close friends and have right. been for, for many years. So would Eugene get into competition with his good friend or not? Right. Uh, but, but then there was also the fact that Raw Thrills just bought... Well, Raw Thrills up until now haven't, haven't had any manufacturing capability to build their no, own games. They They've always contracted them out. Yes. But they've just bought one of those contracted companies, so they do actually own their, 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 some manufacturing capability. So would that potentially be used for to make pinball machines? It's even more interesting, as you mentioned, that Joe Balser is a buyer for that company. Yes, Joe that's Balser, right. Yeah, he works Joe, yes, Joe right. Balser being a former pinball designer. Indeed, yeah. So, uh, and, and keen to get back into the pinball business. Oh, well. yeah, absolutely, yeah. So... So lots um, of lots of uh, facts and uh, and suggestions and ideas to to throw around there, but no firm facts just yet. No, about but a lot of get into a lot of people hoping that that raw thrills will get into the pinball manufacturing side of things. Well, it would be a big um, big push for the, for pinball if uh, a company like Raw Thrills sees it as as a big growth area and, and they think they can uh, they can use all their their game design expertise in order to. Uh, to, to leverage their, their entry into the market. And also, don't forget, they own play mechanics right. as well, um, which uh, which a certain uh, Mr. Mark Ritchie works. So. Yes, which is also a uh, former, or maybe not former, <laughs> pinball designer. Mm. Yes, we'll, we'll uh, talk about that a bit more uh, a bit later. Um, right. Anyway, um, yes, yeah, so Mary... Um, American Pinball were also at the uh, Amusement Expo show in Las Vegas um, in, in March. Quite a delegation, I have to say. Yes, um, they had 10 games there. Oh, no, sorry. This is, um, this is going to be skipping forward to uh, Texas Pinball Festival. No, no, I'm talking about the delegation. I think uh, they had a uh, um, uh, Scott Gollex and uh, uh, Frank, um, uh, forgot his last name for a second. Yeah. The designers of uh, Legend of Valhalla were present. They fixed Steve Bowden, Barry Engler, of course, and a bunch of other people. So they, have, they were very big staffed at the um, Amusement Expo uh, in uh, booth 1448, if you were there. And, um, right, and, and uh, well, moving forward a bit, then, of course, they had a big presence as well at the Texas Pinball Festival, as yes. you would expect. Had 10 games there. They had, I think, they had four Legends of Valhalla, four... Um, Hot Wheels? Uh, uh, yeah, four Hot Wheels, uh, a Houdini, and a... Um, Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest, yes. Um, the Oktoberfest and the Houdini were were recent, were new runs, which were made in, in the current um, American pinball cabinets rather than the cabinets that they were made in when they originally came out, and also running the new, the new hardware or new electronic system as well. Right, um, so... Um and interestingly, um, Dave Fix mentioned to me that the um, Houdini game originally was, um, or what they what they did with the um, the upcoming new run or current run, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, he said they um, 
uh, went into power management of the game. And I was like, so what does that mean? Um, as it turns out, when the game originally came out, they only used one type of coil for everything. Yeah. And um, Just to keep it back, simple. Yes, to keep it simple. And now they went back to the drawing board and uh, they selected a coil for each uh, mechanism to be the right coil for that mechanism. So the strength differs, um, which is affecting uh, gameplay also a lot, I suppose. Yes, yeah, so, uh, well, one of the problems I think it. was that because the, they were using big cores all over the place and driving them hard all the time, even when they didn't need to be, they were generating a lot of heat within the game and drawing a lot of power that they didn't need to. So, um, and of course, if you've got switch mode power supplies or switching power supplies right. within yeah. the game, they really don't like being you know being overdriven and would tend to shut down if you if you drive them too hard. Uh, unlike a transformer, which will just just drop. The uh, the voltage, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. Now they don't. Have, they think they don't have that problem anymore, and uh, they're using the appropriate coil for the appropriate use, which it means they've got to use more coils or different types of coils, but um, ultimately produces a, a better, more reliable game. Right now, I didn't uh, actually play Houdini, uh, the new Houdini. No, I didn't either. No, um, so I can't compare it. Um, I do have to say, I did play. Hot Wheels for the first time and Legend of Warhalla. Hot Wheels is, <coughs> sorry, I found it a uh, uh, very fun game. And then I moved over to um, to Valhalla, to which I have to say that the um, art package is not a package that makes me really uh, tempted to, um, uh, to play the game. Um... But what a surprise this game is. What a fantastic game Legend of Valhalla is. I was really blown away. What fun that game is. So I highly recommend anybody that has any doubts. Could this be a fun game? Give it a try. You might be pleasantly surprised. Okay, good good, good news there. Um, I, I didn't get a chance to play any of those games um, during the show. It was just always so busy. I normally get get to play about... I don't know, eight games of pinball the entire weekend, and uh, this this year was no different. Oh yeah, um, well, I got uh, to play mostly uh, d- uh, during build up, and um, that, yeah, that's I, was, I was busy taking pictures and uh, and talking yeah, to people yeah, doing this. Yeah, you were doing so. your job. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the only game I got to play, um, which uh, which I think is a new release. Oh no, no, two two new releases I got to play. I got to play. Um, um, Ultraman, and also got to play Weird Al's uh, Museum of Natural Hilarity as well. But that did involve queuing up for about ten minutes in order to get get my go. But fortunately, I had had quite a good game, so it was all worthwhile. And uh, okay, so I, I'd been really hacked off. I queued up for for ten minutes and then had three house balls. That would have been <laughs> that would have been annoying. But it didn't happen. So. Uh, yeah, so anyway, we, we were still with American Pinball, and uh, there, were, there were some more announcements uh, in the uh, American Pinball seminar at the Texas Pinball Festival, weren't there? Yes, I'll let you handle those because you were present the entire time. I, I only walked in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, they did say that, uh, obviously, we've covered before that Barry Alsler, um sadly died very recently after 
after just joining the company, he did bring a game to American Pinball and was working on it for the short time that uh, he was there before he died. And uh, we, uh, before you continue, mm-hmm. um, I think we have to, um, from what I understood is that Barry Arthur was uh, announced recently to be working there, but he actually already worked there for a little bit longer, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Officially then, shall we say. Yeah. Um, but uh, he was working on a game, and uh, and David Fix announced at the uh, the Texas Pinball Festival seminar that they would be taking that game into production, which uh, was very nice. And uh, he also put together a very nice tribute video for for Barry. And uh, Barry's wife was there as well in the audience, and uh, he invited everybody to come up and uh, and talk to her and, and and relate their their happy memories of, of Barry and uh, and what what Barry meant to them. Uh, so that took up, you know, probably half the seminar almost in that time. So mm-hmm. uh, very nice. So uh, I was able to contribute a few pictures to that uh, that tribute, uh, okay. which which David put together. Uh, also, there was another announcement, uh, which was that um, uh, artist Christopher Franchi would be doing the art for an upcoming game for American Pinball. Right. Now, he's um, not not exclusively working for American Pinball, but um, uh, I think that would be his first game working for them. Right, and if I'm not mistaken, that would be Dennis Norman's game. Right, yes, which uh, I think is uh, I think that's the not, next n- next title in line and yeah. non-licensed. Yes, that's right. So that will be the first time we get to see Christopher Frenchy doing original artwork for a game. Is that true? Oh, right, that's right. Yes, that's a good point. Yeah. Everything so that. far is done is has been licensed. Yeah, oh, that that was that would certainly be interesting to to see how that turns out. Um, so, uh, as you mentioned, uh, they did say be rerunning Oktoberfest and and after that Houdini, and um, and they said they were going to open up two lines and potentially three lines. Yes, once, once they really get going um, with with their next game. So you know, it's, it sounds like it's all all uh, full steam ahead at yes. American Pinball. And while it's nothing, they also released a code update for Legend of Valhalla. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, they do their code de- updates based on dates. Rather, um, the version number is based on the date. So this is twenty two oh three twenty seven uh, year month date, and uh, it improves some of the multi ball modes, adds extra call outs, uh, improves the wizard modes, and uh, has some bug fixes. So. If you're lucky enough to have one of those Legends of Valhalla, make sure you're updated with the very latest one that just came out uh, a few days ago. Right. So, and um, well, then something that you know a little bit more about than uh, than I do, uh, there was supposed to be a difficult announcement. Yeah. Um, not not sure exactly what it is, um, and I didn't get the details, but it uh, something was was meant was supposed to be or th- thought would be announced this week. Um, which uh, wasn't going to be entirely positive, but uh, it, apparently it didn't. So either um, it didn't happen, or it'll come out later after this. Right. After we are, our pincast is is over, so keep an eye out for any more American pinball news. Right. Okay, and that uh, concludes our coverage for American pinball. I think it does. So, uh, so let's move on to um, well, one of the other exhibitors at uh, the Texas Pinball Festival. I mean, there are many, but um, 
Pinball Brothers were were represented there on the uh, on the coin taker stand. Yes, and uh, in, in the form of Roger and Cado. Yeah, and they had a, a very nice uh, gazebo tent um, affair with uh, alien branding all over it. Inside which were two limited versions of Alien and two standard versions. Yes. I think I think think that's the first time limited versions actually been at a show or a public event. Yeah, that's true. So that was uh, that was nice to see. I got I did actually get a chance to play that during during setup. Having said I didn't get to play any, I did. Um, yeah, briefly. I was amazed. Um, I, I've seen the underside of the playfield of uh, Alien, and um, if you compare that to certain other titles, um, this is mostly white PCBs. Yes, I, I put With a picture very, very in, few in wiring. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during the setup phase, because they had the the playfield up, I thought, oh, I'll get a picture of that. Because I was amazed just looking at uh, the underside of, of that uh, playfield. Yeah, as you say, it it looks like there's hardly anything on it because it's it's kind of it's whitish wood and whitish um, PCBs right. underneath. So <laughs> yeah, and just very short leads running from the PCBs to the uh, to the various mechanisms and switches. Things. Yeah, so 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 uh, so, so Pedretti Gaming, who is building these games, is basically showing people pinball is easy. <laughs> well, I suppose there's a lot of preparation goes into uh, into making the the uh, the board set and uh, making it look that easy, right? But um, yeah, it's uh, it's very impressive. Uh, you know, we were talking about you know those half mile of wiring in old stern games. Well, it looks like there's you know a few a few tens of meters of wiring right. in an alien these days. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a very interesting development, I would say. Very cost effective, also. Yes, yeah, so uh, you you are you uh, asked Roger um, about uh, what's what's happened at the company um, recently, and uh, what did he have to say? Well, I asked Roger whether he would be willing to come on our uh, podcast or pincast, I should say, um, to discuss the uh, well, the, basically uh, what they did to get Alien uh, uh, to where it is now and uh, future plans for the company, and then. He uh, he said, "Let me think about that because this was um, close to or way past midnight, I suppose, um, <laughs> on uh, one of the uh, the first evenings of the show at the bar." Ah, oh, it's always uh, the best time to get people to commit, right? So, uh, and then the next day he came uh, back to me, and he said um, he explained to me that um, Roger and uh, Cato have been very involved in um, the development of Alien, mm-hmm. and once that was in production, um, they decided to uh, to step down a little bit, in the sense that they are now more like shareholders, and the basic running of Pinball Brothers is handled by Daniel Jensen, who also runs Free Play in Sweden. So, if we would want to know anything uh, about the company we should talk to Daniel which is fine but um, I ask and I report what you just told me and that was fine so that's what we can tell about American uh, sorry about Pinball Brothers that they had a slight restructuring of the company in which um, Roger and Cato sort of uh, reduced their activities being involved and mm. um, that is interesting because eh? I I thought they would do that, but I didn't think they'd do it yet because they've still got the Queen game, 
to bring out, which we uh, we saw at the beginning or the end of last year. Um, right. And, we, and, uh, and we might still see it. And Roger and Cato have been heavily involved in that as well. Yeah, exactly. So I thought they... they um, Actually, it was uh, beginning of last year when it came when and, it was available, um, and the end of the previous year. But I, but that was a highway pinball development, as was Alien, and right. of course Roger and Cato were both heavily involved with with um, highway pinball, right at the end before uh, before that closed down. And so, if I, if, if I may add, mm, yeah, Queen is also a Barry Osler game, right? Not um, is it? Is it exclusively him, or was was he was he and Dave Sanders working on that? Mm, I wouldn't be able to answer that. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think I think most of those were sort of collaboration games, but uh, as to as to what the split was, I don't know because it's oh, it started off as a wide body game, didn't it? And then it ended up in a narrow narrow body in right. the version that we saw. But um, yeah, I thought they'd get that into production and um, and promoted. And then maybe reduce their, their roles in the company. I actually wonder whether Queen isn't going ahead, or if it is. No, I think uh, from what I understood, uh, Queen is going ahead. Um, uh, but but it's sort of for me an indication that the game was sort of ready to go, but the timing isn't right yet. Right. Okay. Well, that's probably and true. And it might have to do with Pedretti not being a uh, uh, still being working on on Alien production and and other stuff. Yeah, well, they only just started shipping the limited version of the game, the LV uh, edition. So, uh, still got plenty of uh, of work to do to, to fulfil Alien orders, and I suspect after after this show, they've probably got a, a whole bunch more. Right. Yeah, I think the game was very well uh, received. Mm, indeed. Yeah. 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 Now it's also uh, let's start a rumor here. <laughs> Usually we're not oh, like yes. that, but yeah, but. No, we'll just state, state the facts and... Uh, then I'll state the, the facts and I'll let everybody yeah. then um, uh, add one and one together. Or not. <coughs> Sorry. So, um, um, I think if you know who is who, um, everybody at TPF could see, especially the, the, the industry insiders, I suppose that uh, Roger and Cato hang out quite a lot with pinball designer Mark Ritchie. And, um, well, they're apparently very close uh, close friends, which is very nice. I think uh, Mark came over to the UK once. When, uh, he did, indeed, they, they, yeah. Yeah, when they were involved in Pinball Brothers, so they met and they uh, developed a, uh, a friendship, which is uh, interesting to see, hmm. I would say. Okay, I'll so we'll take that leave it for then. what? Yeah, <laughs> leave it with that. Take it as as it is. Okay, and with that, we're I think we're pretty much done with uh, Pinball Brothers, and uh, probably time to move on to uh, Spooky Pinball because they also had a a nice stand at yep. the Texas Pinball Festival with two Halloween and two Ultraman machines yep. set up, and uh, some merchandise. Uh, yeah, plenty of merchandise. Yeah, um, did you get to play those games? Yes. Both of them, or just one of them? No, I played Halloween and I played Ultraman. Oh, well done. You did better than I did. I only got to play Ultraman because that was the only one that was available. That's it. People seem to want to play um, Halloween more, which mm. is maybe not um, not surprising as it's a, a more recognisable title, I suppose, in the US. Well, I'm not that much into um, uh, horror themes. Um, no, a- no. A- Alien is my cup of tea either. 
and uh, Halloween. I, I don't think I've ever seen the movie either. I found it a... Um, um, how shall I put this? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a it's not a game for me. Mm. Um, the 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 sound package and it's probably spot on with the movie, but um, I like my games to be uh, have have a little bit more action type of power driven music. I mean, this was so uh, um, well scary. I would say. Yeah. yeah, which is probably the intent of the movie in mm. the first place. So, very job, very well done by Spooky, but not a game for me. Mm. Also, gameplay wise, um, not a game for me. Yeah, that, that, and I'm not saying that Spooky did a, didn't do a good job. They did probably the best job that they could with this theme, but it's the theme is not for me. And um, also on Ultraman. Um, I really want to get into the playfield layout, and but I don't know Ultraman either, so I'm I'm completely confused. Like, what am I doing, and what is the screen telling me, and what's going on? Yeah, I know what you're so, yeah, that was the only one I played, and I don't know anything about Ultraman either. I figured out how to lock the balls, and that that yeah, I yeah. Although, although I found it very difficult to actually make the shot to do it because you have to shoot the three scoops on the left hand side. If, yeah. it's, if it's that multiple, and yeah. I could only shoot two of them for some reason, I, it's probably me. But um, yeah, it to me it felt um, because it's because of the theme, it, it, it kind of had a, a feeling of um, competing against Godzilla because it's you know it's a Japanese um, theme and it, mm-hmm. it, from the same kind of era, I, I guess. And the the multimedia package of the the video and the audio kind of looked a bit. Godzilla-y in terms of you know the colours and the the feel of, and the animation and um, it just I don't know it, it, I think if you're putting yourself up against Godzilla in that way you're always onto a bit of a loser as we've just seen is it yeah but if you want to co- if if you want to copy a game then copy the game that's winning all the awards <laughs> well I don't think they were copying I think it was just by nature of it but uh, it, it suffered by comparison but uh, the other thing I, I really didn't get i didn't understand why it was there those, those lifters that they yeah. have in the out in the in lanes to feed the ball back to the flippers yeah uh, they're hidden you can't uh, see them actually the action of them and they slow the gameplay down by a huge amount and they tend to surprise you as to when the ball's going to actually reappear because you can't see when the ball is released well i i, I don't like it when I'm not able to see the ball, especially that close to the flippers. Yeah, I was I was constantly just you know, every time you put the ball into a scoop, you're constantly looking at the flippers, waiting for the ball to appear from one side or the other, I'm not yeah. looking at what's going on, on the screen and giving you the instructions or anything like that. Okay. So, a, a clever mechanism. I just don't think it's a, a particularly good use of it. It'd be be much more beneficial further up the playfield. Yes, uh, I I tend to agree with you. Um, still very well uh, engineered, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. But but, but 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 that's part of what didn't get me into the game because I'm I'm that that, that ball is rolling down the inline, and you have like uh, uh, maybe an inch and a half before it hits the flippers, and that you actually can see the ball. So you have to be very uh, responsive or trap the ball immediately and then try to aim your shot, which is taking all the flow out of the game. 
Yes, although I, I will say that I think uh, there's just been some uh, some new code updates for both Halloween and, and Ultraman version 1.06, and I think they've enhanced the sort of warning that you get when the wall's about to be released. No, oh, there is a, a little flashing light. Yeah, I, I think off. I think that's been in, been improved now, so there's more it's more obvious when the ball's about to be released from the from the lifter from the under under playfield tunnel to uh, the playfield level. So right, hopefully still. it won't come as so much of a surprise. And I, I don't know whether... Unfortunately, it's not one of those things that you can kind of... Um, you can wait for too long or have people blow off the animation if they've already seen it a million times because it's ha- actually physically got to lift the ball with a stepper motor from under the play field to, to the play field level. And that takes a little time to do. Right. So and it does now, slow down the, the flow of the game. Just to prevent that people think that, we're, uh, that I'm bashing... Spooky pinball. I had the same issue on Alien. On Alien, it's a little different though. There's no ball lifters, but there is actually the two ramps are covering the entrance of both the in lane and the out lane. You have no clue where that ball is going, and I find that very uncomfortable playing. I would say. <coughs> Sorry. Okay. I was just uh, what you were saying there. I was just musing uh, that maybe a, a better way with the spooky game is to stage the ball, uh, stage a ball in each of the lifters so that uh, you can start moving them um, sooner. Uh, instead of having to wait for the, for the ball to roll down the, the tunnel to actually reach the, uh, right. the lifter, you can actually start moving it up if, if there's one already staged in there, kind of like they did with Star Trek The Next Generation. Although, having said that, there were plenty of uh, issues with with the operation of those on on that game if the optos aren't working properly. Yes, or diverters. So, right. Okay. So. Hmm. Oh well. Yeah. Uh, that's almost all the news for uh, Spooky. There's uh, probably one more note um, to uh, to add. Um, people have been wondering when, uh, if, and when TNA uh, will be going back into production. Mm-hmm. If that will happen, it's most likely going to be after the run of Halloween and uh, Ultraman, and uh, then the next title. And uh, instead of the next titles uh, going into production immediately. And do we know this is going to, if it does happen, whether it will be uh, TNA 2.0 or whether it will just be a, a rerun of the of the previous version? Um, well, I've seen some comments by Ben Heck who is um, uh, referring to TNA 2.0 as TNA 2.0. Hopefully it's an upgrade, but we don't know. Okay. Or if indeed it's actually going to happen. But if it does, that's probably when it goes. Then probably after the uh, the Halloween run, yes. Okay. So moving on to uh, to Multimorphic, who are relatively near to the Texas Pinball Festival and had a, a very nice display there. Um, they nine had, games. Indeed, yeah, nine games. They had uh, two um, of the Weird Owls Museum of Natural Hilarity, um, although they're, obviously they're, they're mostly kits, so they, they could have gone into any of the machines. Yeah, but they should have brought more. Yeah, probably. There were there were big queues to play that game. That was obviously the most popular. But they were, they were showing off the range of, of uh, different games and modules that they had, so it was understandable that they did that. But they had a, uh, a limited edition, which is the one with the topper, and they had a standard edition of uh, Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity there. And I, I got to play that. And 
as I said before, I had a really good game, and I think I got a long way into it, and I found it very entertaining. Obviously, it's a very, very noisy environment. I'd want to hear a lot more of the music and of the quotes. But, um, yeah, it was it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. Did, did you get to play it? Yes, I had to stand in line. I, um, um, I think I played two games on it. Uh, I really sucked. <laughs> I didn't get that far into the game, but uh, I was watching gameplay with uh, with others. Um, I'd say congratulations to uh, to Multimorphic for uh, not only a great game, but um, basically they brought like the game of the show. Yeah, this was the game that everybody wanted to play. Yeah, I think they definitely got the biggest lines, and um, yes, I think it was. Uh, I was really impressed by the graphics. I originally saw them, I thought they might be a bit clunky. But when I was playing, and you sort of you know, get that, that, big, uh, that big wheel spinning around on the play field, it's, it really is attention-grabbing, and uh, it just looks so bright and, and, uh, and fun, really. It puts, puts the fun back into, into right, pinball yeah. after, after so many sort of dour and serious, uh, intense themes. This yeah. is one which actually makes you smile and laugh, which uh, was so desperately needed. I mean, I laughed when I saw the, the topper uh, just right. in action, which was very nice. And, and I think a lot of other people did, because right at the end of uh, the seminar, that, which Jerry held with the Multimorphic team, he said, we just, just quickly run the, uh, the, the motor for the, the topper animation, which is the accordion. And uh, that got a good uh, good laugh from the audience. So it's uh, you know if, there aren't many toppers you can you can put into action and, and you get a, a, a big laugh. So right. I think that that's very fitting with the game. Mm. So um, uh, what else? Well, there the, was the first ever live stream of uh, Weird Al's Museum of Natural Hilarity, uh, mm-hmm. which was uh, done by their their good friends at uh, Buffalo Pinball. Which you yes. can uh, you can which, watch. Uh, it wasn't during the show. It was actually prior to. It was the yes, yes, yeah. So you can, you can watch that on twitch.tv slash Buffalo Pinball or one word. If you want to want to go and, and watch the stream, and didn't get a chance to play the game at Texas show like like we were lucky enough to. Yeah, although uh, no exception for being in the industry, uh, just no. queue up with everybody else. Absolutely, yeah, quite right too. I, was, I guess if you if you got there early enough before the show opened, you could. No, no. no. Oh, you were I there tried. The I tried. I tried. Oh yeah, right, well, I, that, because well, I wanted to get to know the game better. Well, that's a, a good indication you've got a hit on your hand when even you no, know, even all the industry and the and the setup people uh, there are wanting to play it and, and lining up. Yeah, and, and they they have shipped the first um, the games, the first games I think, or first kits. Well, I think the first game shipped, and I think there was a complete game unit, so uh, cabinet and uh, uh, and um, everything in it. Oh right, okay, because there's uh, there's a, a moderate um, lead time for the kits, and there's uh, quite a longer lead time for the entire cabinet. But uh, I guess they they would have had some in stock. Uh, in preparation for this, but yeah. uh, if if you've already got a P3 and uh, then you'll be able to get your your uh, Weird Al kit a lot sooner than somebody who's ordering the, the base unit as well. Right. Okay. So uh, I suppose that. Um, uh, well, oh, uh, let me uh, add that um, in the multimorphic booth, obviously nine games there. Um, I also got my first shot at playing Heist. Ah, oh, right. Okay. Um, very interesting game. <laughs> I played like um, probably being drunk. I don't know, <laughs> um, but um, 
very clever use of animations, uh, very well integrated into the game. Um, I think they really did an outstanding job with that game too. So if you're already buying a um, a Weird Al game, you might as well get the highest module as well because you're going to enjoy that too. Yeah, I found the rules on that were, were very clear as to what you had to do. And you know, you you try to try to put the gang together. Uh, you have a certain amount of time to recruit each member of the gang, and if you don't get them, then they get put into jail. And then you and try then you and have break, to break them free. Yeah, you try and break them out in order, in order to you know put the gang, get all the members of the gang in order to uh, to do the heist. Um, yeah, it, uh, it was well explained, and the shots were clear as well, which is always a benefit. Yeah, helped with having that big video screen. Um, to, to point you at, at what needs to be shot. Um, so yeah, yeah and, and, and the crane that's one of, toy as one well of the is amazing. Few, few areas where I feel that they might actually indicate the shots a little better, uh, but it's probably my only complaint about the game. For the rest, I was very, very impressed. Yes, maybe have it as a as a, as a sort of training option or a, a display option that when the ball comes to the flipper, you can you can have the you know, guidelines. From the, from there to show you what what shot to make, um, rather than just just having arrows sort of halfway up the uh, halfway up the playfield to tell you, which is not necessarily yeah. where you're looking. It's kind of you're looking at the flipper, you're looking at where the shot needs to go. You're not necessarily looking in between that. Yeah, that's what, one thing. What I also found is that the, the, the game, uh, the Weird Al game, is actually giving a lot of cues what you should be shooting for on the display in the back box. That's not what where, where I'm looking at. So uh, I actually see those when other people play, but not when I'm playing myself. So well, that's a good way to learn the game, I guess. Before, uh, before it's your time. You know, yeah, that's you're why we had all the cues. Everybody's <laughs> trying to read the rules. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, moving on. Um, because uh, just around the corner from where Multimorphic had their stand, uh, Chicago Gaming also had a big stand and with almost as many games. They yeah. had um, had eight machines, had, uh, all Cactus Canyons. Yeah, uh, two limited editions, I think. I think there were two. Yeah, um, uh, with the with the interactive topper, mm-hmm. and um, they were popular throughout the show as well. Of course, even though they had eight of the same same model, effectively, um, they're always lined to play those. So uh, clearly, a very popular title, even though it's uh, it's not a new one. Of course. No. So, have you played it? Oh yes, many times. Yes, yes. Yeah, I was but playing the, the, the new, uh, the new. Okay, you yeah. played. Yeah, yeah. I played nine. it. I played it at uh, IAPA as well um, in November, and at uh, and at uh, the Texas show as well. So I was, uh, I, I was, I managed to break it when I was playing it. Yeah. So. Oh well, that's always a good thing, you know. Well, I didn't say uh, field break. testing. There was a there was a, a a ball trap right at the very back of the game, um, which. Had myself and, uh, and the technician from there puzzling over where where on earth the ball went. I mean, you sort of shoot it around the back of the bad guy, and it disappeared. And we could yeah. never find it again. Well, we did find it again. I found it after about five minutes of lifting the play field and putting my hand around the back and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, it was, it was stuck under a plastic, which you couldn't see. But uh, right. But, uh, so. Anyway. I don't think that problem really occurred after I, I pointed out where the, where the issue was. So uh, um, that's what playtesting is for. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. these issues. 
So, and Chicago Gaming uh, represented, of course, by uh, Ryan White and uh, Butch Peel. Mm. Yep, that's right. Very nice to see uh, Butch uh, again. Ryan also, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they had a good show there. Um, Butch did the, uh, did the seminar about the making of Cactus Canyon. Which was quite interesting. Oh, definitely, yeah. Butch always, always gives a good presentation. It's and always good to see it. Well, it, basically his presentation was, or at least the bit that I saw was, okay, they were uh, dealing with supply chain issues, and while they were waiting, they might as well improve the game, which is what they did. Well, yeah, it was also, you know, it went back to the very basic principles of it. Okay, well, here's what we got with the original game. How can we make it better? You know, what what can we do and what, what don't we want to do? What, well, we're not going to change anything on the play field as far as shots go or functionality down there. So you know, that's that was the number one rule. But right. given that, there's a lot, a lot of other things you can do. And, of course, they've even added you know, the, the topper mode as well and put in a bionic bart and things which were missing in the original and, and a lot of uh, cosmetic changes as well. And uh, originally when they first came out with that, that wooden apron on the limited edition, I was in two minds as to whether it was a good idea or not. But uh, having seen it, um, maybe, it's, maybe they've changed it, toned it down a bit, but uh, having seen it on, on the games at the uh, at Texas show, it looked great. Yeah, a definite, definite upgrade from the standard uh, standard bottom apron which is metal but has the guns on as well right so um i'm just curious and i'm just going to ask you this um when playing uh cactus canyon the remake yes um did you find the lock shot to be tighter than on the original or was it just easily to shoot for you well to be honest i've always found that quite difficult that lock shot uh, far more difficult than it should be but uh yes i found i was i was just off a little bit i was always hitting the stand up next to it which um yeah, that won't lock yeah. the ball. Yeah, uh, which um, was annoying because I, I kept trying to compensate for it, and yet it didn't seem to make any difference. <laughs> okay. But no, I did start multiple, so uh, it's not not that difficult. But no, but but I but heard yes. several people mention that they sort of feel like that lock shot is tighter than I think it what is. They, I... But then again, those those Williams games. From back in the day, mm. those are those are, yeah, quite uh, worn. T- exactly. So yeah, with, so that whole that is probably a bit easier. But uh, no, I, I did find that I, I could, it was harder to backhand that that's that um, that lock shot okay. than it, it was on the Williams game. Right. All. Okay. So um, any other news from uh, Chicago Gaming? Well, um, I'm not sure whether this is. Um, um, how to put this, but, um, okay, rumor has it, and mm-hmm. yes, I know we, we usually stick to the facts, but... Um, so we'll bear that in mind when we're saying it's a rumor. Right. Um, the rumor has it that there is going to be, that one of the games that Chicago Gaming is working on uh, could be Pulp Fiction. Mm, yes. And... Um, that that um, rumor's been around for well, rumor of the game at least has been right. around for quite quite some time. Right, and um, apparently there is um, some pictures um, floating around. Not so mm. much on the internet, but there's uh, a few people within the industry that have pictures of the game that were discussing it, and. Um, um, they find it um, uh, apparently that the, the the game that they were uh, discussing 
is a um, a single level uh, sort of late seventies, early eighties type playfield, which apparently was a, um, a demand from Quentin Tarantino himself. If there would be a Pulp Fiction game, it had to be in the style of those games. Hmm. And um, well. TNA, of course, is also a single-level play field with an 80s uh, feel to it. So you can still do a lot with that. I haven't seen the pictures myself. I haven't seen them on the internet either. Um, Maybe they don't exist at all. We don't know. But that was what I hear left and right. You know, and um, the single-level 80s... um, um, playfield design. Or... Yeah, that seems like um, that was um, confirmed to be by multiple um, people that are in the know. So, if right. this is a Chicago gaming game, I hope so. Um, but it's going to be different than what we've seen from them uh, up to now. Yeah, okay. Well, they did do um, a single level game, I think, there's that, the Vacation America, a long time ago. Yeah, but no, I wouldn't say that, that <laughs> didn't didn't look like an eighties game. Uh, well, it played like an eighties game, but um, yeah, it was just a, a single level game, I think. So they they have have done that them in the past, but uh, yeah. But uh, so, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see whether whether that actually just turn out to to be true. But uh, right. Well, on that subject, mm. um, um, maybe this would be a good time oh, to give uh, Gary Flower a call. If anyone knows, Gary would know. Exactly. Yes, and now I know that Gary is um, is heading off to the uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh, ah. It might even be um, at the airport around about now. So hopefully we can get speak to him before he he boards his plane and uh, heads heads over to Chicago and uh, goes up to Milwaukee from there and uh, has a, a fabulous time at the MGC. So right. let's uh, let's give him a call and see what he ha- what, what he can tell us. Right. Okay. Let's hear it. Hi there. Hey, Gary. This is Jonathan, and uh, Jonathan. and Martin's also here. Hi, Gary. I'm at the airport now. Oh, you're at the airport, right? Yeah. Um, Ladies uh, and we were actually going to ask passenger you. Gary Flower is present. Please report to the desk. Oh. Passenger Gary Flower. He's being oh. called to the desk. I can hear that. Um, I've just been called back to the check-in desk. I don't know what's going on, so I have to catch up with you soon. Oh. oh. Bye for now. And that's it. Oh. Okay, well, we tried. Well, well, we'll see if we can uh, see if we can talk to him once he's got his uh, his uh, situation cleared up there and uh, knows he's actually on the plane or uh, going to be on the plane. But uh, anyway, uh, moving on then. So we didn't get to talk to Gary just then. Let's, uh, let's move. Sorry, on. sorry, it didn't work, but um, uh, we'll try again. Uh, of course. Yeah, yeah, if not now, then later. Then um, yeah, move on to to Haggis Pinball because it's been. Uh, been quite a, a, an interesting time for them as well. Must have been a quiet time. Well, it has been up until now, but uh, not for them. But the news updates. Well, uh, yes. Well, they went very, very silent. They did indeed, and um, claimed that uh, Damien said that they've been been basically heads down working on uh, making the uh, the Fathom revisited um, uh, remakes. But um, and, and to prove that. Um, they um, produced a video, which um, 
which showed uh, some gameplay, so uh, and quite quite extensive gameplay uh, of the new um, the new Fathom game. And uh, yeah, you can find it on their uh, Facebook page. Um, yeah, I thought it looked uh, looked great. Um, and we were hearing from uh, hearing about the rules that uh, have gone into the new new version, and it uh, sort of seems like uh, it's already quite extensive, but then they've still got more to add, and is is quite in keeping with the uh, with the feel and the the overall age of the machine. So it's not no, it's not it's not gone complete, completely stupid with uh, with you know, eight ball multi balls or anything stupid like that. It is. Um, no, it, it uses the, the existing hardware in a, in a you know, in a better way, I suppose. Yeah, the only problem was I couldn't see them make the ramp shop uh, any any time. <laughs> There'll be a reason for that, right? So uh, I kid, I kid. Yeah. There was no ramp yeah, on, exactly. uh, on Fathom. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, no. The, well, the good news is they confirmed that they finished the uh, the production of Kelt. So uh, the focus is completely now on uh, on the production of Fathom. Um, they discussed that they would be uh, sending out the uh, series ticket holders games first, and then the Mermaid Edition, and then the Standard Edition, um, which doesn't have the enhanced gameplay. Mm. So, and yeah. uh, if you wonder what that uh, series ticket is, that's a uh, six thousand Australian dollars non-refundable deposit across the next four remakes. Uh, so fifteen hundred dollars per remake uh, to look in uh, to lock in the same serial number on all five remakes, even though they haven't been announced yet. Yeah, so you're you're basically putting a fifteen hundred dollar Australian dollar deposit down on uh, remakes two, three, four, and five, so you can keep the same serial number across all across the Fathom and the other four, but. As, as Jonathan just said, it hasn't been announced what those other remakes are going to be. Um, so yeah, there's a, so a certain leap of faith there. If, if you're lucky, Centaur is one of them. If if not, you might get Strikes and Spares. <laughs> yeah. Just to name a title, nothing against Strikes and Spares. No, I, I love Strikes and Spares. I think it's a great game. But I think it has the best glass ever, <laughs> oh, yes. probably. Yeah. Good old Kevin O'Connor. Yes. I'm so fun doing that. Um, but anyway... Um, as you say, they're, uh, that's the order in which they're going to send them out. Um, and, and, and as I said just now, they did show um, some of the gameplay of the, the Mermaid Edition with, uh, the, with the extra lighting and, and the new rules. Yeah, and there will be a link to that video in the uh, uh, Pinball Magazine newsletter that will go out a few days after this podcast uh, is published. Okay. So if you're, uh, if you're uh, receiving that, then uh, there's, it's easy to find the video. Yep, absolutely. I thoroughly, thoroughly recommended to read that as well to uh, to get extra up to date details that we that may have happened after we finish recording this. As right. Well. Okay. So I think that's all from Haggis, but from uh, one Australian company to another company owned by an Australian, even if right. not in Australia. Yeah. Homepin, which is a happy birthday to them, uh, fourteen years in business. Uh, actually, of uh, as of last month, they started out in February of, um, I think, 2008. That would be right, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, um, uh, as, as many may not realize, they started off as a replacement part manufacturer. <coughs> Sorry, manufacturer. 
Um, and they got into um, uh, designing pinball machines much, much later on. Mm. Yes, indeed, and uh, which is which is where we uh, we pick them up now. Right. So, um, for those not in the know, uh, Homepin is currently working uh, and teasing uh, their next pinball machine, which is called This Is Spinal Tap. Um, and uh, well, one of the, the 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 biggest news, I suppose, this month is um, that they countered a rumor which we actually heard at the uh, Texas Pinball Festival um, somewhere. Um, well, you know how that goes. Uh, people yeah. talk, uh, but there was uh, somebody from inside the industry uh, uh, claiming that Homepin lost the uh, Spinal Tap license and that they would not be able to make the games anymore. And um, Homepin countered that by uh, posting on Facebook a list of the uh, the licensors uh, uh, with who they are working together and uh, basically stating that the game is still on. Right, okay. They might have missed uh, a couple of deadlines um, uh, getting the game out, but um, those were... Uh, partly uh, out of their control, and uh, not an issue for the licensor to um, to 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 stop them. No, no, no one seemed particularly concerned about about that. Um, I think the the big one was, was to do with Marshall, but um, that didn't seem to be a problem in the end. So, yeah, I don't think that the deadline there is it was a real one. It was just a, an ambition, right? So anyway, uh, another thing I've also uh, been talking about is um, the fact that, that the company will not be, uh, Homepin that is, will not be promoting the game This Is Spinal Tap themselves, but um, will be relying on their distributors to handle all the promotion for it, including gameplay videos and uh, marketing campaigns and, and, and such. Yeah, which, which I'm not sure that's such a smart move because not every distributor knows about marketing. No, you think it would be a, a joint effort, really, wouldn't you? From uh, that, um, Homepin would would talk about the game, and then when the, uh, the distributors would talk about uh, about selling, about the deals they have on, and uh, and how they would actually get the games to customers. Right, and the warranty so, support, of course, as well. Right. So, but uh, anyway, that's that explains. Well, that that's partly explains why the uh, Homepin Factory uh, Facebook page basically shows progress from the factory and mostly that. Well, I think I think that's what it says. I mean, there's a comment there. It says this is it's called Homepin Factory for a reason. It's about the factory, what's happening in the factory, not what's happening to, for home sales or anything right. like that, which is handled by distributors. So uh, right, yeah. So it's almost getting back to the uh, the, the, the playfield issues we were talking about before. That uh, you know, Homepin are a supplier of games to their distributors, and then distributors sell them, just like right. uh, Merco provides is a supplier of playfields to Josie Jack. Josie Jack then sells them. Right. So now there is a bit of uh, news on delays. Um, uh, one of the delays is caused. With, um, by a flood that hit the uh, Australian video animator who had a few feet of water through his workplace a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it has taken him a bit of time to reorganize and get uh, back into finishing the job for uh, for Homepin. 
Mm. Oh, well, which is nasty. A, yeah, it's not uh, very pleasant, and but still uh, very understandable that that obviously you need need time to to well get your feet dry, I suppose. <laughs> yes, uh, one of the interesting things that, uh, or another one of the interesting things that was uh, been on their social media feed was that uh, they sh- it shows that they're they're using a removable pop bumper assembly. Which um, which, is, which is something which which uh, Highway Pinball um, looked into doing, or did in fact do, which means that uh, if you need to service a pop bumper for any reason, you, you just unbolt the existing one or unscrew it. Um, it drops the whole mechanism drops out of the playfield, and you bolt in a new one and plug it back in, and off you go. Right, so, it's so not very exactly. Good, it's not new. Valid. I mean, I mean, it's not exactly new. I mean, old Belly did that in the early eighties. On on games like I think Eight Ball Deluxe, and uh, in that era, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting the, idea because it, it kind of implies that it's really more for operators who right. want to have limited or minimum downtime on their games. And but I'd wonder how how many operators are going to be operating Spinal Tap games, particularly when the you know they're not going to be produced in in vast quantities. I think uh, I think Mike Mike Kalinowski, um, who owns HomePin, has already said that you know they're not they're not looking to make thousands upon thousands of these. So no, but um, maybe that's 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 something they're going to be used using going forward on on all their all their games. Right. So um, yeah, you know, there's something interesting about the uh, the, the the cabinet for uh, uh, this is Spinal Tap. Um, Can you? Get into the. I mean, it it, um, it features the Union flag artwork. Ah, yes, yeah, yes. The artwork of it is. Uh, yes, there was a, there was a picture on um, a Highway Entertainment website um, promoting the game. It's an external cabinet image, but doesn't show anything of the playfield. It's just got black glass on it, and the back box as well um, isn't there or it isn't showing anything. But it does have a, a speaker panel on it, which has the Marshall logo. And um, and a display as well. And uh, yes, on the on the cabinet there is um, kind of which oh, says uh, this is Spinal Tap. There is like a Union Jack, the UK flag, but it's not. It's not right because it's missing some components, which is odd because um, it's the same kind of angle as used on the uh, the um, Spinal Tap album. The sun never sweats, which does have the, the requisite bits in it, but it's not on the playfield cabinet, so that's a bit, mm. it's a bit strange. A spinal right. tap moment there, which is, uh, uh, well, no, somebody from the UK would pick up on that and notice that. But uh, one other thing I did notice on that was um, it mentioned about the licensing for uh, Marshall speakers and uh, and the band as well, but also mentioned about license for Mapex drums, uh, which. There's no sign of that on the cabinet or the back box, so presumably they're going to have drum model on the uh, playfield. Maybe the bumpers or something will have drums. Well, on. I can I can elaborate on that. Uh-huh. Um, there will be a, there is a um, a, a drum kit uh, at the back of the playfield um, with the Spinal Tap logo. Uh, I think that's uh, that's referring to that. Um, and there will be a picture of that in the upcoming Pinball Magazine newsletter. Wow. Congratulations. Scoop, scoop. Yep. Very good. 
Okay. Um, one other thing I noticed on uh, from the uh, their social media feed was they showed a, a serial number plaque from the back of uh, Tap Game Zero Zero One. Um, interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, it only goes to three digits, so um, not well, it implies not looking to make more than uh, nine hundred ninety-nine of them. Isn't there a, a a lamp next to it that if they go past nine hundred ninety-nine, <laughs> a lamp shows up and that counts as a thousand? A thousand when lit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Could could well work. Yeah. Um, and also, um, it showed the game uses only 85 watts of power. Um, that was at 230 volts AC, which means that, uh, I guess that's the peak value, which means it pulls in 0.37 amps, so just over a third of an amp for the hmm. entire game. So that's so very energy efficient, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you could have uh, a 13 amp circuit. You could have, <laughs> I don't know, um, 36 of them or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Right. So, um, oh well. Just musing when I saw that, I thought, oh, that's a very low power um, usage. So, uh, <laughs> nice. I mean, Mike's obviously uh, a bit of an expert when it comes to uh, electronics. Electronics. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's very good. So, energy uh, sufficient or efficient. That's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a very green pinball. Yeah, well, I haven't seen the colors of it yet, but yeah. Okay. Um, Moving on. So, um, moving on. Yeah, well, so, so your, your local uh, local builder. Dutch Pinball. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, um, I don't want to rub it in, but um, I actually happened to be talking to Barry Driesen, the owner of the company, uh, last night for over two hours. Um, lots of stuff I can't discuss here. Of course. <laughs> um they are uh, uh, still building uh, the Big Lebowski, um, which has a steady flow of orders coming in, which is a good thing because uh, they can keep on building them. And the more new orders they build, the more early achiever games they should be able to fulfill. Yeah, and speaking of that, um, my game is 161, and uh, Barry told me that... Um, uh, well, I should put it in a different order. Um, I got invited, and you as well, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, for a uh, housewarming party for the new home, uh, sorry, Dutch Pinball factory, uh, where they actually are already almost, uh, well, at least for a year, mm. probably even longer. Yes, we covered but that. Due, but, but due to COVID, they never got to do a proper housewarming inauguration for yeah. them. Um, they are doing to to do so on May twenty seventh, which is a, a Saturday. It's a Friday, I think. Could uh, it's a weekend somewhere? Uh, I think I think the email I got said it was a Friday. Okay. Anyway, it's a few days after uh, Barry's uh, uh, own birthday, and as I'm still waiting for a game, I asked, like, uh, well, <laughs> should I bring a car big enough to uh, take my game home? To which Barry responded, what's your number? I told him it's probably, I think it's 161. And uh, he said, well, it's not going to be uh, in May, but it's going to be this year. So that's quite optimistic for me, since I'm only waiting for it for like eight years now. But So um, 
There's that. Make of that what you want. Um, well, presumably that, presumably that indicates they have enough orders for new orders to, to get that far down the the list. Yeah. Um, for for the, or just to clarify, uh, the is currently the idea. The, the, they're currently building like one out of four games that is built is going to somebody, an early achiever that already paid for the game up front eight years ago. Mm. They're still behind on that production schedule, but they need the, the new orders coming in um, to keep everything uh, going, basically. And needless to say, um, Cointaker had a uh, Big Lebowski on their stand at uh, the Texas Pinball Festival as well to, to take more orders. Right. And um, from what I hear, they have no problem selling them. Mm. Yeah, probably have more problems making them. Um, yeah, that's probably the issue. But more manufacturers are dealing with that uh, these yeah, absolutely. days. Absolutely, yes. Yes, they're far from uh, alone in that. Yeah, so, and, uh, uh, well, Dutch Pinball um, still expanding their staff. Um, it's not uh, everybody that they hire turns out to be a good fit. But um, uh, there's a new guy starting this Monday, and um, they seem to be very happy uh, that he's on board. So hopefully that will um, increase production as well. Good. Okay. Well, uh, I hope to be able to get over to uh, their, their factory warming party on May the 27th uh, as part of a, a few days over in the, in the Netherlands. So. Uh, yeah. I shall hope to see you and uh, and Barry and everyone else there and then, not too far in the future. What was it? Uh, about eight weeks' time, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Well, it would be fun. Mm, right. It would be nice. Um, so, moving on, anyway, to um, well, some of the other companies that we haven't covered yet. Um, one X company we'll start with then, uh, which is uh, Deep Root Pinball, who, as right. we know, uh, been in bankruptcy and has been, as we reported before, uh, an auction of the contents of their offices in uh, San Antonio, um, initiated by the landlord who wanted all the equipment out and got a court order allowing him to uh, put them up for auction as part of the, the bankruptcy um, proceedings in order to recover some money. Right. Uh, so, and that's been going um, on. Um, actually, I think it already closed, but it might be there might be some more some, some lots that haven't been... Uh, auctioned off yet i'm not a i didn't follow it very precisely no it was um, a bad time because we were we were over in texas for for most of it or at least planning to be over there and arranging things so we haven't been keeping that close an eye on what's been going on right so um yeah i think there were like uh i'm not sure whether the counting started at zero zero one i think the number of lots went up to 380 um, there were a couple of what I would say interesting uh, lots, which had uh, prototype uh, um, play fields, mm. uh, games, uh, uh, mock-up games like. Um, um, well, as far uh, and brimstone was in there. Uh, I think food truck was in yeah, there. Exactly. Yukon Yeti, yeah. as well. There were, there were versions of all those games in amongst um, uh, Whitewoods or. Uh, or even pre-Whitewoods, you know, almost like foam core. Yeah, and that's the word I was looking for, foam core mock-ups of uh, certain uh, uh, certain games. Mm-hmm. Um, I did look into the uh, auction results, and what I could see is, uh, I think that 
most of that that interesting stuff that we just uh, described was brought up by two people both coming from Texas. Um, and I think one got some stuff that the other wanted and vice versa. And uh, But they're both looking to make the Raza games that were also auctioned off uh, playable. And who knows what happens with the playfield designs that's also in, in whatever they bought. Yeah, allegedly the, those Raza games uh, had the wipe, had their software either wiped or destroyed before, uh, before they went, before they were, uh, well, before the company closed, well, before um, that the software could be released into the wild, shall we say. Um, so that's, that remains the property of the company which, which was writing it for them. Yeah. So, and um, um, not really uh, banning prices, so to speak, uh, uh, at this auction. I think uh, one of the, the prototype lots went for 8000 or one of the, the, the Raza games went for $8,000, which is almost a bargain, uh, because that's what usually what you, well, what you pay for a new game anyway. Mm, yeah. And now you get a game, uh, a prototype of which only two exist. Yeah, without any software, of course. But uh, yeah, well, but okay. Well, that's not necessarily minor, minor hiccup. Yeah, not necessarily impossible to uh, to either write write your own or uh, do a deal with the the company who who owns it yeah, in order but, to get but, it. But, most of the other um, office stuff and uh, and equipment went for, I'd probably say, bargain prices. If you wanted to start a pinball company, this would be your uh, this was the best time to start it. Yeah, I mean, for me, the most interesting point was that there was so much equipment in there because it had long been muted that there was never any intention to to actually build games. Um, they didn't have any manufacturing capability at all, but. As it turned out, there's an awful lot in there, and in fact, too much in, in many ways. Uh, there were two two router machines. There was stuff. There was equipment for making parts that you no. Well, I was going to say no sane person, but no, no no business savvy person would choose to make themselves. They'd contract it out to uh, no to a local manufacturer. But right. so they obviously wanted to do all that stuff in house and bought the equipment to do it, where they had the the people. To actually drive it is another matter, and that's something we've seen at other companies before. You might have the equipment, but you haven't got the skills. It's no use. But uh, no, there was a lot of value. Um, you're starting to see where some of that money went in buying yeah. all this equipment, and 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 how that money basically evaporated. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of destroys the idea that um, the intention there was no, never an intention to actually build games, but to sell the company. Because if you're going to do that, why would you have all the equipment there? So it just makes it even more unfathomable, if you pardon the, the pun, um, as to exactly what the plan was with that company to ever get any money. I mean, no one could seriously think that they were going to be making money from making pinball machines in the short term. But yeah, that's that's the seems to be the only explanation. I was going to say rational explanation, but it's not rational. So I don't know. It, it just muddies the water even more to see how much equipment there was uh, in that in that factory uh, or in that office. And uh, well, if, I guess as you say, if somebody wanted to get into the business of uh, making pinballs, as that's a good source uh, to buy it back uh, relatively cheap. Right. So and um, oh well, I suppose that wraps it up for deep root pinball. But then again, there's still 
Oh, it's the... Court hearings going on. It's the gift that keeps on giving, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And instead of the five days of uh, Deep Root, (laughs) I suppose we get the the Fifth Amendment of Deep Root. (laughs) You have to get five years of Deep Root, I think. Uh, Five years of Deep Root court cases. But anyway, yeah. um, so that's still going on. So there might still yeah. be some oh, news. I'm on, sure we. On, on. I'm sure we will be back. Yes. Yeah. So it's not the end, but it is the end. It's the beginning of the end, if not the end of the beginning. Um, so moving on to uh, Pinball Adventures up in uh, up in across the border in Vancouver, and um, limited news from them really. Just on their Instagram feed, they're sort of showing they started working on a second Punny Factory playfield. But it didn't look like there was really much in the way of manufacturing there. It was like, well, here's a playfield on a rotisserie and there's a few bits populated on it. Well, I think you just said it this is here's a, a, a playfield on our rotisserie. <laughs> so that means one rotisserie, which is hardly manufacturing. No, I don't think, well. It's, it's basically building a prototype. Yeah, or a sample game or something. It's... Uh, Although I have to say, I did see some pictures of the some of the playfield toys on there, the, the sort of the punny machine, and then uh, I can't remember what the other parts on the playfield were, but they're, they're plastic um, part. But they, they they were decorated very nicely. They're really impressive. The level of detail given to the paint job they've done on them make it look sort of old and cranky and battered and and weather beaten. No, look, look really good. Um, surprised me compared to the rest of the theme, which is sort of light and bright. But this looked, uh, looked so almost like something completely different, but, but very well, nicely done. So if they're building one game a month, uh, they're still ahead of some, uh, some of the competition. <laughs> That's true. They basically have problems building ge- any games right now due to uh, ongoing supply chain issues. Yes, that, that is, uh, as, as we say, and we say it, we've said it for many months, and I'm sure we're going to be saying it again for many more months, um, getting the parts and getting them shipped to you um, and getting them at a reasonable price is a huge challenge for, for anybody looking to manufacture pinball. Right. Oh, well, that's all the news on mm-hmm. uh, pinball adventures, I suppose. Um, there was no news from uh, Quetzal Pinball or uh, Bitronic from Spain who... Uh, are working on their uh, Super Hoop game. Yep, I haven't seen anything more about that in the, in the past month. But well, I figured I'd mention it anyway. Oh, yeah, just good to keep them in mind. And uh, another company which, uh, where there was no news, really, was uh, Circus Maximus. Um, yeah, and, which is more disturbing, I would say. Yeah, we were uh, expecting to see them. Uh, just to recap, they were uh, doing the Kingpin remake and uh, with the intention then of, of using that, um, the, the funds from that to make the, the Pinball Circus, the Python's Pinball Circus. But um, they were scheduled to be a vendor at the Texas Pinball Festival. Yeah, listed at the website as well. Yeah, and there's a space marked out for them on the floor. And... Um, no show, I'm afraid, there. Uh, well, there was a show, but they didn't show. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes, they were a no show. Um, so there was some, some video. Games. Without any notice. And uh, I uh, um, understood that uh, uh, the organization of uh, TPF reached out. Um, and uh, one of the uh, persons involved in Circus Maximus indicated that he wasn't coming to the show. And the other didn't basically respond. Hmm. Yeah, so, because they're normally a, a regular exhibitor there. Yeah. Normally have a very yeah. large um, stand of, of parts, which is uh, where Mayfair Amusements were this year. 
and um, would, would generally have their kingpin game there as well yes. for people to yes. play. But, yes. but uh, nope, not there this year and no news and it's been a long time since we've heard anything really from from Circus Maximus about any of their or either of their projects. So, yeah, so fingers uh, crossed yeah, it's still happening, but uh, it's, yeah, it's not looking people great. People are already afraid that they were, or basically bold, boldly stating it's not going to happen. Mm. And um, well, hopefully that's not the case. But it seems to me that um, if this is basically down to a two or three man project, if you want to make this happen, you need a bigger team. Mm. And uh, uh, you can't do everything by yourself. That's that's basically a recipe for disaster. Yeah, well, I think I had three people working on it at one point, but uh, yeah. that's, that's not enough. Certainly not for a, a big project like that. But uh, one one new project which uh, has um, reached uh, production and is, and is on sale now is uh, was announced at the Texas Pinball Festival from... Uh, te- technically, uh, already, the cat was out of the bag before the yes, Texas Pinball Festival. it was. It was officially announced, shall we say, and, and shown in, to the public, um, was the, the Totan, the Tales of the Arabian Nights, the Forgotten Tales um, upgrade kit from uh, being sold by Mirko Playfields with um, Mirko uh, pr- uh, circuit boards and and a display panel as well, but um, also using the, the fast pinball board set as well. Um, it's a basically adds a whole uh, seven more stories, seven more tales to the existing Tales of the Arabian Night gameplay, as well as some other features as well in there. Some some new rules. Uh, it has a, a, a new display panel which uh, is a, a color. Um, LCD, uh, color LED or LCD? I can't remember which one it was. Um, it was a color display, and it has a bunch of inserts along the bottom to represent the new tails. So uh, the existing ones are on the playfield, and uh, the new ones are on the back box. And oh, it has upgraded speakers. And uh, I'm trying to think what else uh, was in it. Um, it uh, well, it's it seems like it's kind of not quite finished because uh, what's being sold at the moment is a is a beta or a beta version of it right yeah which still needs some testing and uh... yeah it, it kind of art it, it's supposed to be um it logs various aspects of the gameplay in and you and the buyers are asked to upload those log files to uh Merco so that they can uh, they can uh, analyze them and see if the game is, is behaving exactly as it's intended to. And if they do that, they get some kind of gift, but it was unspecified exactly what that gift would be. And it's um, this, this kit is only available through Merco Playfields, um, and it's not being sold through any other distributors. So that's... Um, okay. Go to MercoPlayfields.com if you want. I think the uh, the cost uh, was twenty seven fifty or something like that euros. Yeah, 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 quite expensive for a kit, I'd say. But uh, hey, if you look at the price what pinball machines are doing, um, can't blame anybody for asking that. No, that's right. No, um, it's um, I say it's it's not quite finished yet. And uh, but but uh, when they've sold all the all the beta kits, I think they said there were fifty of them or something like that. Then they'll uh, they'll do the the full production version of it, which right um, again will still only be available through uh, through Merco. Right. So uh, oh well, 
Yeah, it's an interesting. We wish him, uh, uh, well, we wish him best of luck. Uh, obviously, not only with that, but also with uh, his playfields and uh, um, the, the complaints that people may have about those. Um, but let's let's leave it at that. Yes, for now. absolutely. Um, other than that, last last but not least, we had a European trade show at the beginning of the month, the uh, EAG International Expo held in London. Indeed, yes. And you were lucky enough to go there. I was. Um, it was uh, postponed from January, which is the normal time that it's held, uh, so pushed back a couple of months. And uh, yeah, on the pinball front, pretty disappointing, I'd have to say. Uh, in that Stern Pinball were the only pinball manufacturer represented there. Um, not entirely a surprise because overall I'd say that um, the attendance by vendors and, um, and visitors was down on previous years. I think there was still a certain hesitance, hesitation in, uh, in coming to, to a trade show like that. So uh, it was quite quiet at the show. But Stern, no to the credit, put on a, a very good show on the uh, on the stand of their UK distributor, Electrocoin. They had five games there. They had uh, two of the new Rush titles, a Pro and a Premium. Had a Godzilla Pro, a Mandalorian Pro, and an, an Avengers Infinity Quest Pro. Bear in mind, you know, this is mainly a, a trade show, so they're pushing the pros over home models. Uh, but they did have the premium rush there, so you could see the difference between the two, which was nice. Um, they had quite a quite a little turnout there. They had um, uh, new newish Stern pinball president Seth Davis was there with Gary Stern, Doug Score, and Wayson Chang. Um, now Wayson is um, sort of the, the lead programmer behind the Insider Connected uh, yeah. kit or system, and uh, he was there to help. Uh, answer any questions about it and also set it all up and, and keep it running and they were doing high school leaderboards on uh, each of the games played hmm. although the the, the rushes were, were, were grouped together so you could, you could uh, keep track of your score and you could log in and sign up for insider connected through that and seth davis did a short presentation on on two of the days about Insider Connected to uh, sort of assemble yeah, an audience. I, I hear, from what I hear, that was a very short presentation. It was. It was probably, you know, five minutes, really, pretty much. Uh, handed out flyers about about it. Um, I had a nice chat with him about uh, about that and data protection and um, how, uh, how they're dealing with the various legal issues around the world. But... Uh, you know, it was it was pretty sort of standard corporate stuff. Yes, we got you know all our, our lawyers have uh, you know been looking into this and sorted it out, and we we put it put it um, put the system through numerous different tests and uh, brought in companies to, to ensure it's a secure platform and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's it, really. They, uh, there was one other pinball at the show, which was a, a Big Buck Hunter Pro. It was just on another stand which was selling a, a cashless payment system, and it was just to illustrate how um, different types of coin-op machines can be uh, can, can integrate with their system. So you, you couldn't play it, but it was there to show that you could, you could add credits to it from your phone or, uh, or other device. Okay. Um, and that so. really was about it. Now, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an awful lot. I didn't even bother doing a video this year because or walk around because it was, you know, it was kind of like a subset of what you'd have seen Last uh, last time we had a show, 
I'm glad I didn't make the trip. Oh, um, yeah. I, it wouldn't have been worthwhile. Um, I was kind of in and out in a couple of hours and just then spent the rest of the time talking to people and uh, and, and sharing a beer with uh, with our good friend, good friend, Ad Yonker. Right. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's it, really, from the uh, EAG show report. Uh, again, you know, if you're really interested, uh, pinballnews.com has a, a report on that, too. Uh, right, as on the uh, Texas Pinball Festival. And uh, along with you, uh, pinballmagazine.com as well. Uh, pinball-magazine.com, yes. Absolutely. Um, yes, and there will be, of course, uh, the Pinball Magazine newsletter going out in a couple of days. Um, I really like to finish my Texas Pinball Festival report first, so I can link to that in the uh, in the newsletter. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, I will have um, probably three uh, exclusive photos, uh, playfield close-ups of um, this is Spinal Tap from Home Pin uh, in that newsletter. I look so, forward uh, to seeing them. Yeah. Great. Okay, well, I think that kind of wraps it up for uh, for this pincast, looking back at yeah. March 2022, which, um, according to reports that we, uh, we've received from uh, from people at the Texas Pinball Festival, is uh, listened to by, by uh, many people in the industry. So yeah. uh, thank you for it's all your the, feedback. It's, it, it's the podcast the pinball industry listens to. Yeah, apparently so. So not nice to know, and uh, thank you for all the kind words, and uh, and, and no no uh, no harsh words either. Everybody who seemed to enjoy this, uh, right? Okay, so uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll be back at the beginning of uh, the next month. Yep. So until then, uh, have a lovely time, and we'll see you then. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>